Hi, I'm Mark and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast where we look at how researchers can become more productive and use their work to achieve real-world impacts. Today I want to look at social media and I'm going to ask you four really powerful questions that I believe can help you to stop wasting time on social media and start driving impact. And that's real world impacts, not just number of followers, likes, views, etc. This is about real people in the offline world that you have helped, that have benefited in tangible ways because of what you have done online. And I'm going to use these questions then to show you how you can develop a really powerful LinkedIn strategy for your research. Uh, most of us just use it as an online CV and pretty much uh, an out-of-date online CV at that. And it is, if you know how, a very powerful way to target very specific groups and achieve very specific change. But before we do that, I'd like to discuss my tip of the week with you. This week's tip is how you can use the productivity app Evernote as your to-do list. Uh, this is something that I've recently started doing. I've used various different to-do list apps in the past on my phone um, and other systems uh, offline. And this is by far and away the most powerful uh, approach that I've found for doing this. By and large, uh, solutions to this um, vary, um, uh, and there's a, a trade-off between two things. Uh, you have the to-do list, which is all about simplicity, um, and for that, my go-to solution is uh, the app Clear, uh, so C-L-E-A-R, Clear. Uh, and then you've got a whole load of different options if you want something really powerful that can do lots and lots and lots of things. But of course, the trade-off is it's actually kind of complicated. <laughs> uh, and, and so you don't just use it uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, uh, what Evernote does for me is it creates something which is incredibly flexible and way more powerful than the most complex and powerful of the existing to-do list apps. And of course, it's free as well, so uh, even better. Uh, part of the functionality for this is something that I do pay for. So if you want the full functionality, that costs me £30 per year. Um, but the good news is if you want to do that, you can sign up via Fast Track Impact and we can give you a, a discount on uh, the Fast Track Impact uh, book, the Research Impact Handbook. Um, what I do to, to do this is uh, I use the shortcut, shortcut function uh, on Evernote as my to-do list. So all my short lists uh, on Evernote now are to-do items. Uh, that is something which is easily accessible on the main interface of the mobile app. And it's a screen that I just always leave it on. So whenever I open it up, uh, there it is. All of my to-do list actions are there on the screen for me. Uh, I have the desktop version of it as well. Uh, and in the top left of my screen always are the shortcuts. So all the time, whatever I'm doing, I can see what are uh, the things on my to-do to list. And the great thing is it's always synced between all of my different devices. Now, to add a new item to my to-do list, uh, I add uh, a new note to Evernote. And uh, as soon as I've done that, I add it to my shortcuts. So on a mobile, I just hit the top right menu, say add to shortcuts. Um, uh, or I can swipe uh, and then hit the star, which adds it to, uh, to, to my shortcuts. 
If I want to change where it appears in the list, uh, then I can hit uh, edit on my phone and I can just drag the item up and down. So I know, right, this is number one now. I need to make sure that I do this uh, or I just drag and drop, drop on the uh, desktop version. Once I've completed a to-do list item, I uh, left swipe on my mobile to remove it from the shortcuts uh, or I right click and remove from shortcuts uh, on the desktop. Uh, and uh, for many of the items, now this is where it starts to get powerful, um, uh, what I do is I then op open the item on my to-do list, so I open the note, and I actually then write a whole lot of things. So um, first thing might be, here's the phone number, and remember to ask them X, Y, and Z. And then the meeting happens. And uh, I've opened that to-do list item because that's where I am in my to-do list and the meeting's happening. And now I'm taking notes directly into that to-do list item of everything that we're saying. Um, there's maybe uh, a, a, a file um, that, uh, that I sent them in advance uh, to have a look over and I've dragged that file into the notes and it's just sitting there in there accessible uh, as part of that, uh, that, that note. Uh, it may be that I just simply hit record. I say to the person, do you mind if I record this so I can take notes later so I can give you my full attention and I just hit record in the note and there it is recorded inside the notes, everything that, that I need. Uh, once I've finished it, um, I'm removing it from my to-do list by removing it from shortcuts, but what I'm doing now is I'm also then filing it. So that was a phone call for a particular research project. So now I'm now adding it to the notebook for that particular research project. So I've got that all held in a useful place where I can find it easily later. But of course, it's all fully searchable. Um, in some cases, what I'm doing is I'm, uh, I'm just taking notes. I don't feel it's appropriate to have my, uh, my laptop open. Um, in front of a person or be typing into my phone. So I'll get a notebook out and I will take notes during the meeting. At the end of the meeting, I will take a photograph of my notes uh, and uh, the OCR software within Evernote then automatically transcribes that into text um, and I can have it as a text note or as just the photograph uh, as well. When something comes in via email that I need to action, uh, then this is the bit that I love most about this. Um, so this is a bit that I have to pay for to get this functionality. Um, but I pay for it because I, I use it all the time in lots of different ways. And this is one of the ways in that I use it. Um, and I think if you're like me, then very often a lot of the tasks that we get given to do actually come into us for the first time via email. So my boss has said, can you do this by them? Um, and all I do is I then just hit forward on the email uh, and the the subject line of, of the email that I'm forwarding. Um, I'm now writing the task. Uh, remember to do such and such by so-and-so. Uh, and then I'm sending it into my Evernote. So everyone has, if you have an Evernote account, you have a, a unique Evernote uh, email address. I've got that in my shortcut. So I just type EV and it in instantly knows Evernote. Great hit send and um, and there it is it's in it's in my Evernote now crucially with all of the attachments that that person sent the whole email strand that I can look back for um, and it's got the to-do list item on it I'll go into my Evernote find it because it's just the most recent thing that's appeared um, and add to shortcuts it's in my to-do list with the right title uh, with all of these I can then add in a um, a, a, a due date so uh, what I do there is I'm adding a, a reminder to the date uh, with with a date to the note. Uh, so I'm just clicking on the reminder part, a uh, little clock in the corner, and I'm setting a date and a time, and it's going to pop up uh, on my mobile phone um, 
uh, and in my email to remind me you've got to do this by today. Um, what I've also done is I've uh, downloaded uh, Evernote Calendar Connector from the Evernote App Center. Um, in fact, it's not a downloading thing. It's just you put in your uh, calendar password and your Evernote password, and it's done. It's as simple as that. Uh, and I've got it linked to my iCloud calendar, which is what I use. Um, so now whenever I add uh, a due date in um, Evernote, it automati automatically populates into my calendar. Um, and there's a link in my calendar, which will take me straight to my Evernote to the note where I can see the to-do list item and all the information uh, about it. Um, I still use the shortcut. Um, list uh, as shortcuts uh, in the same way that I used to before. So for me, um, I don't know if this is a common problem for dads or I've just got a bad memory. Um, uh, a really embarrassing uh, thing that happens to me regularly is someone asks me the dates of my children's dates of birth. And I've got three children and they've got three dates of birth and I can never remember them. Um, and so that's still there in my shortcut notes right at the bottom of my to-do list so that if I need it, I can get it uh, instantly. So you can still use this um, in the kind of traditional way. But uh, shortcuts uh, as your to-do list in Evernote, uh, a really, really powerful and simple way to organize what you're trying to do. So the main thing I want to focus on today is social media. And I think that there are a lot of us who are, if we're honest with ourselves, wasting time on social media. Uh, and many of us, I would argue, who are, are taking unnecessary risks with our professional reputation by the things that we're getting drawn into uh, online. Uh, I like to define social media as um, public conversations that take place through digital media. And for me, there's a, a kind of a warning inherent <laughs> within this, uh, which is actually these uh, are, are public and it's when you're having a conversation with someone online that you're most likely to forget that that conversation is public for everyone to see and you may say something that, that you regret. Uh, so uh, I think for our, me as a researcher, uh, probably one of the, two of the most important commodities I have are my time and my reputation. Social media, uh, I would argue, is therefore a big risk for me. Uh, and so we need to think about ways in which we can um, use and harness the power of social media for research impact without increasing our risks online unnecessarily. So what I'd like to do is to uh, give you four questions that I think can really help you to start driving impact and stop risking uh, yourself online. And then I'm going to use these four questions to structure a strategy for using LinkedIn uh, more effectively to drive impact for your research. Uh, this is something that I discussed in the last series of the Fast Track Impact podcast. Uh, as ever, uh, I'm trying to uh, make these things increasingly simple and powerful. And for me now, I've boiled this down to four questions. This is effectively a social media strategy. If you want to, you can write this down. And uh, these four questions and uh, a template and lots of other things which will help you to do this more effectively are available for free online on the Fast Track Impact website. So just hit resources or go to fasttrackimpact.com forward slash resources and scroll down to templates and you'll see the social media templates. Uh, for a lot of us though, to be honest, I'm not that interested in writing this stuff down. Um, and I've got this written down for one of my projects. Uh, I've got 
three, mm, kind of four projects that have a, a very distinct and uh, carefully planned out uh, uh, strategies and perhaps slightly less distinct strategies, and they're not written down. But the point is, I have been able to answer these four questions. If you can answer all four of these questions, then you already have a social media strategy. And you will, I would suggest, be already fairly targeted, strategic and efficient with your use of social media. If at some point, as I ask these questions, you realise, you know what, I can't answer that question, that's where you need to dig in and really start to think. And I would argue that the answers to these questions will empower you to use this a lot more uh, efficiently. Uh, I, on average, use social media um, around about 50, 50 minutes per day, five zero minutes per day. Uh, that's gone up. Um, when I wrote the Research Impact Handbook, it was on average 20 minutes per day. Uh, I'm now managing six different uh, Twitter accounts, including uh, the account for my school at Newcastle University, um, as well as pursuing uh, LinkedIn strategies for a couple of projects um, and other social media strategies um, for other platforms. So 15 minutes is what it takes me to do that now. Uh, but actually, uh, I am uh, getting all of my news from social media now. I'm not looking at any other news source uh, to get my kind of daily news fix. Uh, and as a result, um, I'm ingesting everything that I need, uh, which is far more useful than what I used to get from the news, um, because it's much more tailored to my specific interests and I'm getting stuff about my research and funding opportunities and all that stuff as well. Um, uh, and uh, at the same time, within that 50 minutes, I'm also then pursuing these outward reaching strategies to engage specific target groups with my research to try and achieve very specific outcomes for my work. Um, and as a result, uh, I actually save time in my working day. So if I compare to what I used to do with the news, I used to spend about 90 minutes per day, uh, whether it's listening to the radio, TV broadcasts, maybe a newspaper once a week, various different websites, apps, etc. Uh, if you're just honest with yourself, just work out how much do you spend uh, per day listening to, watching, ingesting news in different forms. Uh, and ask yourself the question, could you actually save time by putting that all onto social media uh, and actually then hiding all of your outward reaching um, work within that, that period of time? Uh, I regularly audit my social media use. I've got uh, an app tracker. Um, if you just look on uh, App Store for app tracker, there are lots of different options that do this that just tell you how long you're spending in different apps on your mobile phone. Um, and I think it's a useful thing to do that, um, to make sure that this is not getting out of control and that you are consciously aware of how long you're spending uh, on this. Um, but uh, my, my suggestion to you is that you can be incredibly influential online um, uh, and achieve huge impacts uh, and actually save time in your working day. It, it is actually possible. I do that by being strategic and by answering these four questions. So I'm going to get to it. Sorry, guys. So uh, first question is, what offline impacts do you actually want to achieve via social media? And this means you need to have a plan. 
Uh, I think that a lot of people feel increasing pressure nowadays that I should be on social media because all of my colleagues are, and I've been told that I should do it. And uh, maybe you kind of feel a bit judged by people. Uh, and I would suggest to you, uh, ask yourself this question very cl clearly. Actually, do I need to do this? Um, and if this is about impact for you, then you only need to be on social media to drive research impact. If there are specific impacts that you want to achieve that can preferentially be achieved for those target groups via social media. And if they're not on social media, uh, the groups that you want to achieve, to, that you want to help, then there's no point in now answering any of the rest of these questions and having a social media strategy. Forget it. Uh, I had a project where we were working with... Um, Hill, far hill farmers in the UK. Uh, and we quite rec rapid re re rapidly realised that these guys were not on social media. In fact, they weren't even online because they had such poor internet connections. Those who had internet could virtually not use it in these places. Uh, and so we had to have an impact plan that relied on nothing digital whatsoever. And we kind of got around that by producing DVDs and things like that. Um, but actually stop and ask yourself the question, are the people I want to reach and help actually on social media, even online? Uh, and if they are, what social media platforms are they on? Because if you're investing in Twitter, but actually they're all, all on LinkedIn, you could still be wasting your time. My second question then, assuming that you do have something you want to achieve that could preferentially be achieved via social media, is who are these people that you're trying to reach? What are they interested in? Um, and exactly where are they? <clears throat> so in terms of the, the different platform that they might be on. So uh, are there particular stakeholder groups? Um, are there particular interest groups? Uh, and what aspect of my research is it that they are most interested in? And for me, this takes a bit of time just watching, uh, lurking, as people call it in the social media jargon, but just watching, listening, getting a sense of what people in this broad interest area talk about, are interested in, what are the things that get the most likes, views, retweets, etc. What, what seems to to, to be really capturing people's imagination. Um, and based on an understanding then of your audience and who it is that you're trying to, to reach uh, around these particular impact goals, at that point then you can start to think about what kind of content you want to put out there. Uh, and for me, this third question is not just what is my content, but you're now asking how can I make my content actionable, shareable, and rewarding for the people who are interacting with me. And if I can make my content really useful in these kinds of ways, <clears throat> then that is the platform from which I can then start to really build meaningful relationships with people and move those conversations from social media onto email, onto phone or onto Skype, into actual face-to-face -face meetings and actual things on the ground that are going to drive real change, real benefit, real impact. The fourth question then is, who can I work with to make use of social media um, at scale? Are there certain influencers that, that you can find who can put your message out to a much, much bigger audience than you could ever achieve yourself? Um, and there are two ways that you can go about this. Uh, most people figure, well, I just have to put in the hard work of 
building a following, putting material out every day, every week on a regular basis. And it's a a long, slow slog. And after a couple of years, you have your audience and you're making progress. My suggestion to you is, yes, that's fine. But in parallel with that, let's get some quick wins here. And you shortcut that by going to an influencer, someone within your university, someone out in the real world, um, and you send them a message on that platform. You send them an email. If it comes to it, you phone them up, you talk them, talk to them over a coffee, and you say, could you put this out for me to your network? Instantly now, without any real work, uh, without any followers or audience of your own, uh, this work is going out to a, an audience of tens or hundreds of thousands of people. Think also about whether you can work in a team. Uh, This is not just influencers. This is about working in a team uh, with others uh, who might be part of your research project or your department. So for my uh, departmental role on Twitter, uh, I work with uh, a professional services member of staff who finds and spots things that I am completely blind to, uh, that I would never think of putting out there. uh, And I put out stuff that she would be blind to. And actually, as a team, we put out content that is incredibly complimentary. Um, And uh, when I'm too busy to do stuff, she's doing stuff. And when she's too busy to do stuff, I'm doing stuff. So have a think about whether there are people that you can share this load with. But in particular, think about if there are people who are complementary to you. This could be in terms of your interests, and what you know about, as uh, it is with me uh, in in my school. Uh, It could be that that you are the ideas person, uh, and this other person has just got a real knack for turning those ideas into short headlines and phrases that resonate with people and that get people to actually click on your papers, your blogs, your videos, uh, and actually get progress. Uh, But in that way, you can learn from each other, you can play to your strengths. So, four questions. What, What offline impacts? Can you achieve via social media? Who are you trying to reach? What are they interested in? How can you make your content actionable, shareable and rewarding? And who can you work with to make your use of social media more efficient and more effective? If you can answer all those questions, you've got a social media strategy. You don't need to write anything down. You've got it. You just need to make sure that you're using it now on a day-to-day basis to direct what you're doing and to choose when you turn it off uh, and what you prioritise first in terms of the content that you're putting out and how you're putting it out and to whom you're putting it out. If you discovered that actually you couldn't answer a lot, a lot, a lot of those questions, then uh, my suggestion is to come back to this podcast, go back through this, um, have a look at some of my blogs, go through the, uh, the the online template, and really put a bit of thought into this. Because just by having the answers to these in your head, you will automatically start to become a lot more strategic and efficient in your use of uh, social media to drive impact. I said I'd finish by uh, telling you how you can then apply this in the context of LinkedIn. Uh, I'm focusing on this because LinkedIn is one of these platforms that has huge uptake. Loads and loads of people have got a LinkedIn profile. Uh, But I would suggest more than any other social media platform, uh, the majority of people I know have a latent profile. It's not used in any active way. Uh, In a good situation, it's at least data rich with relevant and up-to-date material. Uh, But for many of us, it's just uh, an old, out-of-date CV that is not really doing anything. And I would suggest, what is the point? 
Um, so let's work through these four questions, uh, and I'll show you how I have then built a LinkedIn strategy to drive real-world impact for one of my research projects. So this is a research project where we've um, been doing um, some fairly fundamental basic science uh, on greenhouse gas emissions and, and peat bogs, uh, and then policy work to develop um, a, a policy mechanism that can get private as well as public investment to fix damaged peat bogs uh, in the UK and now internationally. Uh, and the first question uh, is, what is the impact that we want to achieve? And we have a very clear goal for this, which is that we want to fix a million hectares of peat bogs. Uh, simple. Uh, one of the key mechanisms through which we want to fix those peat bogs, based on our research, is by getting companies to invest in this policy mechanism, which we call the Peatland Code. Um, uh, and so, uh, preferentially now, uh, I have worked out, uh, my colleagues and I worked out, there is a group of people who we could target on LinkedIn, who are very easy to find and actually quite active on LinkedIn as a, pro, as a, a social media platform, uh, and in LinkedIn preferentially more than any other platform. And these are corporate social responsibility people. Um, so often at board level, um, uh, who are looking at the sustainability of their companies and looking for opportunities like the opportunity that we are creating through our research. So the second question then is to really try and characterise that audience. Who is it really that you're trying to reach and what is it that they are interested in? Uh, so we did a stakeholder analysis, uh, and this is what actually originally um, identified this as a particular target group. Uh, and we realised that this was a target group that was specifically interested in, um, in particular, the uh, climate benefits of our work, followed by the biodiversity and um, wildlife benefits, uh, and then the water benefits. Uh, and for many of them, they were also interested in social benefits. So we'd done that work, we'd... Uh, done a couple of interviews with people, we'd worked out, right, this is our audience, we know this is the stuff that they are fundamentally interested in, in relation to this opportunity. Um, uh, and we realised that um, a lot of these guys were on LinkedIn, and it was actually incredibly easy to find them. LinkedIn, one of its um, best features is its search, search functionality. Um, if you look in the search, it gives you loads and loads of different options. So you can now search for UK-based uh, people who are in this kind of job role, corporate social responsibility, now in this sector of the of the economy, this size of business, etc., etc. And you can now really drill down to these are exactly the target group that I really would like to be able to to uh, engage with if I want to achieve this uh, this this impact. The third question then is how to make this content actionable, shareable and rewarding. So uh, I've decided now on a bunch of material that I'm going to produce that I'm going to make available on LinkedIn to these specific audiences. I've got blogs, I've got resources, I've got tools, I've got articles written by me, by other people. Um, uh, and I'm doing a few things now to try and uh, make them uh, visible. Um, actionable, sharing, shareable, rewarding, etc. So one of the things that I'm doing is that uh, if there is a blog and uh, for whatever reason I've had to write it for a different platform, uh, I will write uh, a bit of a teaser, so a very short version of it, which is just the first couple of paragraphs, as uh, a LinkedIn pulse 
blog. Um, and then to read more, click on this link uh, at the end of it. What that automatically does is in the LinkedIn algorithms, it means that uh, that blog is going to be at the top of lots of people's timelines for much longer than just an update saying, here's an update, click on this link to read my blog on this other website. So it's a really quick, simple tip to, to make that stuff really quick and easily kind of available to them. Uh, the next thing that I did was I tried to create uh, shareable infographics. So uh, it, running in parallel with this, we had a, a, a public engagement strategy um, where we developed a bunch of infographics based on our research. Um, and we'd tried to design messages that were, were evidence-based, but were kind of unexpected things that made people sit up and think, huh, that's really interesting. And that connects somehow with something that's, that's personal. Uh, cool, I'll hit share, like, uh, whatever uh, uh, on it. Uh, and then in terms of uh, the, the action, the call to action, uh, this was a launch event. Now, uh, in an ideal world, we would have found all of our sponsors and would be doing our launch event with these sponsors. As it was, we were behind schedule, we needed to find sponsors, and we decided, you know what, we're going to do our launch event. What we need to do is we need to get all the right people there at the launch event. And instead of launching this with lots of sponsorship, we're launching this as an opportunity now. So we've got an event, and the key thing is... I'm trying to get the right people to come to this event via LinkedIn. So what I've done now is I've spent um, a month or so uh, producing lots of content. These people have uh, accepted my request to join their network. One thing I forgot to mention actually was uh, a fairly obvious point, but rather than just uh, clicking the, the, the button um, on LinkedIn, I'm adding in a little sentence that says, this is why I want to connect with you. And that one little sentence that personalizes it means that you get a 99% acceptance rate on people saying, yeah, I'll join your LinkedIn network. So these guys have accepted that invitation. They're part of this network and they're now regularly seeing stuff from me about this opportunity. Uh, I'm no longer a cold caller. I, I am uh, a contact. There's a, there's a warmth, a recognition, hopefully some level of trust and credibility that is uh, even on some subconscious level building up. Building up. They've, they've seen me in their network. They've, they've seen stuff from me. Um, and at that point now, after about a month of doing that, that is the point that I then send a LinkedIn mail to them saying, we've got this event coming up. I think it'll be really interesting for you in all these different ways. Uh, what is the value for them? Um, I'd really be interested to find out what you think, talk to you, I can give you a call if you want to find out more, um, but please come to this event. Uh, and the interesting thing about this was that I got a really positive response to that. Um, at the same time, um, there were, uh, I also got uh, offered by LinkedIn a free 30-day trial uh, of their premium version. So I thought, hey, let's give this a try. And uh, with that, I uh, went out and I sent a bunch of LinkedIn mails to people that were not in my network. And that's what you can pay to do. Uh, so on my free trial, I did that. Uh, and the amazing thing was I sent out, I can't remember, 30, 40 different uh, emails or LinkedIn mails uh, using that way, uh, kind of cold calling. And it was exactly the same text and I got zero response. Not a single one of them came back to me. And it was because effectively I, I was cold calling. It was seen as marketing, advertising, just hit delete, ignore, compared to the strategy where I was doing this as part of their network. So 
Uh, that mar- march worked, and we got a bunch of relevant people. And sadly, at this point, I now have to report that this, this uh, was a social media strategy that failed. Uh, we got them to the event. We had some fantastic conversations with really cool people who then said, we have to take this back to our boards. Um, and actually then, in deeper conversation with them, discovered that actually this is not the kind of decision that is made by a corporate social responsibility officer. This ultimately is the decision of the chief executive officer, the person at the top of that company. Um, And at that point, we discovered that actually our networks weren't strong enough um, and uh, very often the, the people that we were talking with were moving on to new jobs. We couldn't get them to pitch to board level or they pitched, but now this was them pitching. It wasn't us. It fell flat. Uh, we needed a way to actually now get to the people at the very top of these quite large businesses. Uh, and at that point, for me, my networks ran dry. Um, uh, and uh, this was not a group that I thought that I was going to be able to uh, get through LinkedIn. Um, uh, and so I then went to the, my kind of last resort strategy, uh, which was to find uh, an influencer who could actually help connect me to those much more hard to reach groups. Now, the key, crucial point here, and this is now moving to my fourth question, who can you work with to make your use of social media more efficient, more effective? Who are the influencers? Uh, the point here is that uh, I was tracking this process um, and looking to see how each of these activities I was doing was working and whether it was moving me towards or away from impact or whether it was faltering and failing. Um, And at this point, it had been green light all the way. This was working, working, working up until the point where we discovered that actually we targeted the wrong group. Uh, At that point, this ground to a whole big red light in my my project management tool, This, this isn't working. And at this point now, um, I'm finding an influencer. So I work part-time for uh, an international um, third sector organisation in the conservation world. Um, And I went to my boss in the conservation NGO um, with the problem. And he said, leave it to me. I think I know someone who might be able to help us. And uh, he then uh, uh, introduced me to... uh, a gentleman who uh, quite literally uh, opened his diary in front of us on the table and uh, said that for a price that he could connect us with all of his friends. Um, I've got no idea what this guy's job description is um, or how you go about finding someone like this, um, but I can connect you with this guy if you want. (laughs) But these people do exist out there. Um, And uh, so uh, for his half price uh, charity rate of £500 a day, after we convinced him that this was a great cause and he loved it, he said, great, I'll go and talk to my friends and uh, family who are related to royalty. And um, he was related through marriage to Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, all these lords and ladies and chief executives of companies, crucially, that he would go to the pub with, he, he would meet on a regular basis, he knew him, he trusted him. Um, and then he put together a group of influencers uh, who we identified had a clear interest. So these were rich landowners who were uh, who owned peat bogs uh, on their land, who were also chief executives of major companies. Um, and he got them into a group of ambassadors um, and uh, and then created this this network of ambassadors who then actually then went out to the, to the rest of the uh, CEO type world to then sell what we were doing for them. Uh, incredible thing was at one of the dinners in one of these country houses that uh, this group of amb- ambassadors um, were, were hosting to tell people about our work. 
um, uh, it turned out that one of them uh, was a, a shooting body of the environment minister at the time. Um, and uh, although this was a strategy that had been designed to reach uh, out to business, it just so happened that uh, we had now a bunch of business people pitching our research and how cool what we were doing directly to the minister. And we hadn't even managed to connect with the minister at that point. So um, I'm going to conclude, but uh, for me, this is an example of what can go right and wrong. Um, but crucially, all the way along, uh, I was tracking what I was doing. And because I was tracking it, I knew whether it was succeeding or failing, and I was able to adapt what I was doing. And as it happened, it turned out that social media was not going to work for this particular group. Um, if I'd known at the beginning, I wouldn't have tried. But sadly, you don't always know. You can only work with the information you've got at the time. If you want to use my impact tracking template um, with the, the colour-coded kind of traffic light system, then that is in the same place as you can find the social media uh, uh, template on my website, fasttrackimpact.com forward slash resources. Uh, a really good way to check in on a regular basis with your team. Is this working? Are our activities working? Um, and actually, are those activities taking us towards or away from the impacts that we want to see? And that is what will guarantee that you keep your eye on the target. You keep your eye on the impacts you want to achieve and you make sure that you are answering these four questions and you are driving impacts efficiently and effectively from the use of time that you put into social media. So the action that I would like you to take today is to go into those four questions. And uh, even if it's just one of those questions, if there is one of those questions you could not answer, then have a think about how you would be able to answer that. Who exactly, for example, are the people that you think you could reach on social media that could really benefit from something linked to your research? Uh, or perhaps some way of thinking more about your content, not just putting out the latest paper with the title of the paper, but something that uh, would draw people in, make people more likely to share it with others, and actually create some kind of action that will enable you to take this from an online relationship into something offline that can drive real impact. Whatever the question is that you struggle to answer, spend some time this week having a think about what you can do to start using that precious time that you put into social media to actually drive impacts so that you make sure you're not wasting it.